Hey everybody, Pastor Brian here. And before we get to this episode of Engaging Culture, just wanted to tell you what you're about to hear. We're going to be with Dan Gamel and Lane Gibbs, who work with our prison care ministry here at Bridgeway. And right now, there is a huge need for men and women who can come alongside those who have recently come out of prison and jail and are reintegrating back into society. So if you have a heart for that population or you're interested in coming alongside those individuals to lend some care and support, we would love for you to contact Dan at our prison care ministry at prison care at bridgeway.church. That's prison care at bridgeway.church. Hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome to Engaging Culture, a podcast presented by Bridgeway Christian Church. I'm Brian Kiley. Today, Pastor Lance Hahn and I are joined by Dan Gamel and Lane Gibbs, both of whom serve with Prison Care, Bridgeway's prison ministry. On this episode, we'll be talking about prison care's work in the prison and jails in our region and about how the church can care for the incarcerated, the formerly incarcerated, and their families. All of that and more on this episode of Engaging Culture. Well, hi, everybody. Welcome to Season 3, Episode 10 of the Engaging Culture Podcast. Brian Kiley, joined, as always, by the Lance Hahn. Yes, I am here, everyone. Do He's not here. worry. I'm right here. Do not fear. Yes. We yes. are joined yep. by two friends of ours. Yep. Lance, why don't you introduce them? Yes, I love these guys. Quite frankly, I just like the idea that we get to hang out with them. Uh, whether or not this podcast and episode is the most boring you've ever heard, these guys are amazing. So uh, so uh, we have Lane Gibbs right here. Lane, say hi to everyone, Hello. please. Hello. So Lane Gibbs is one of our elders here at Bridgeway, and he is involved, obviously, in this ministry, and he's involved in Kidsway ministry, and he's involved with men's ministry, and he's involved. So he's Lane, one of those guys. can you start pulling your weight, please? Yeah, yeah. exactly, right? Yeah, Slacker. so when you always talk about the church's run, by like 20% of people... 18% of those people is Lingus. <laughs> there right. you go. So, Couldn't have said um, it better myself. That's amen. Good. Amen. Uh, we also have Dan Gamel, which always makes it feel like you want to say Dan Gamel, but that's the RV guy. So we want Dan Gamel, and he, um, if you want to talk about somebody with a passionate heart towards something, someone that is brokenhearted for the hurting and the lost, if you want to talk about someone that kind of oozes kind of a Jesus vibe, that would be Dan Gamel. So, Dan, you can say hi to us as well. Don't be afraid. Hello. <laughs> well done. Well Excellent. Done. All We're I can all right. hear is the Dan Gamble jingle in my head. I know. <laughs> Thanks for that. I know. So, Dan, Dan, you are so awesome. So, thank you for being here, both of you gentlemen. I'm yep. really looking forward to our conversation today. Yeah, this is going to be fun. Obviously, about a super important topic. Uh, prison ministry is a big <clears throat> deal. The prison system impacts, I think, a lot more people than maybe a lot of us realize. And we're, we're going to talk through a lot of that stuff today. But first, maybe would love just to get kind of briefly to hear from the two of you. Why prison ministry? Obviously, nobody questions its importance, but there's a lot of places that you could serve, a lot of things you could do. Dan, we'll start with you. What kind of stirred your heart to get involved in prison ministry? Well, first, I want to I want to thank you. Uh, thank you for this opportunity to share today. Uh, prison ministries are not common in churches these days, mm. uh, and if they've ever been common. Uh, but we have a church here at Bridgeway Christian Church uh, that is unlike any other that supports a prison ministry. And it, it starts with our senior pastor, Lance Hahn, mm. having a heart for people, a heart for the broken, Amen. a heart for authenticity, and a heart to say that the blood of Jesus covers everything, that there is no sin that God can't cover, Amen. as it says in the word from east as to west. So I thank God for this opportunity that God has given us to have a prison ministry here at Bridgeway. And uh, thank God for you, Pastor Brian. I know uh, Pastor uh, 
Lance has come out on our ministry to our juvenile hall outreaches. Mm-hmm. Pastor Brian, you came out to an Easter outreach, and how can I not start without thanking mm-hmm. our wonderful brother here, uh, Chaplain Lane Gibbs, yeah. a wonderful brother. Go back 10 years. I could still remember. It's like, here we are today, 10, 11 years later, when yeah. we were talking at the Starbucks and trying to figure out how, <laughs> what are we going to do? How do we put this prison what ministry together? Yeah. What does it mean? And I also want to give a shout out to Trevor for all the times that he came to Starbucks and was patient while we taught prison <laughs> ministry. That's so my thank son. you, Trevor. <laughs> so I, I, uh, my interest in, in, in prison ministry, I guess it goes back to, to really Psalm, uh, the Psalm 68, which is that God is the father to the fatherless. Yeah. This mm, speaks closely good. to my heart and how I came to know God. And as a social worker, uh, it was part of my job to to see the youth uh, wherever they would go or end up. And I had uh, a situation in the early 2000s where uh, one of the uh, young people on my caseload was um, committed a crime and was sentenced uh, was placed at the Sacramento County Boys Ranch. Okay. And as a part of my job, it was to go and visit. Him uh, in in my role as a social worker. Well, when I went out there, the first time I went out there, what I saw broke my heart. Mm. It, it, it was uh, young men that were broken, young men without hope, just completely lost. And God just just got a hold of my heart right then, and I knew right then there's something more that I could do. And yeah. so I began that process of of reaching out to the chaplain and uh, at the jail, and then going through the process and becoming a chaplain. So yeah. then I became a chaplain there at the Sacramento Boys Ranch, yeah. and that was about uh, in the early 2000s, about 18 years ago. Wow! Wow! That's, That's awesome. awesome. That, that 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 is awesome. And just to reiterate what Pastor Lance said earlier, if you don't know Dan. Dan's passion for prison ministry. <laughs> there are very few things in this world that I am as passionate about as Dan is about, and it, and it truly, it's an inspiration. So, I mean, I'm I'm grateful for not only your service, but just the the infectious and joyful way that you communicate about the importance of prison ministry. It's pretty awesome. So, thank yeah. you, so, Pastor Brian. Yeah. I remember yeah. in 2011 when we were in the other building, or is it 2010? At one of our our our, our inter- ministry interests. Uh, for prison care. You were there, Pastor Brian, and you were not the Pastor Brian at that time. You were just attending Bridgeway, but from the early start, from the get-go, from the jump, you were yep, there, and I, I appreciate that, that very that. much. Yeah, yeah. Hey, my pleasure. Amen. So, Lane, let's talk, let's uh, hear your story a little bit. Everyone's sure. got a story of how they connect with prison ministry. Uh, tell sure. us a little bit about yours. Mine's a little bit of a personal nature, yeah. so uh, <laughs> I'll try to keep it brief. So, uh, in the mid-90s, when I was in my mid-20s, I got arrested for dealing drugs, and I spent about three years of my life sort of in and out of jail and in and out of the court system and all the fun and joy that goes with that. But along the way, I had some good chaplains that came into the jail that I was at, and they did some ministry there that impacted me. And when I got out... Uh, few years in the future, right? About five years after I got out, I was attending Bridgeway and just sharing my story with some guys. And somebody said, hey, you should think about being a chaplain. It really was not on my radar, right? Yeah. I was just looking to sweep that under the rug, <laughs> like, move forward, don't tell anybody <laughs> yeah. about it. And right. all of a sudden, I got a conviction from the Holy Spirit when that guy said that. And uh, the rest is history. I reached out yeah. to the local chaplains here, and uh, I've got three felonies. So there was uh, not a very high chance that I was going to get uh, <laughs> uh, allowed to go in back into the prison system. But within two weeks, miraculously, wow. I was wow. cleared to go in and been there about 10 years ever since. So. Praise wow. God. Yeah. Now, I, I have to say something, because there's a lot of our listeners that don't know Lane personally, which yeah. I, I would suggest that if, if anybody is feeling lonely, they need to connect with these two <laughs> men, because these are the two coolest guys in the entire world. Um, but here's the thing. If you meet Lane, there is zero 
residual of this guy's old life. It's super weird. So he and I are really, really close friends. Yeah. And um, and our families are close friends. And, and we go back a long way. How long have you been at Bridgeway? 18 years. 18 yeah. years. So, I mean, wow. uh, you know, I've been here 22 years. So a majority of that yeah. was with me and Lane. Yeah. Well, I just have to tell you that it is so hard... <laughs> to picture any of his story <laughs> and attach it to him because he is the most like normal guy and you're like wait what drugs <laughs> what are you talking about like i never get that <laughs> it is so funny because and and he is the prime example of the redemption of christ that that follows a story where shadrach meshach and abednego go through the fire remember they go into the 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 fiery furnace because they were they were obviously shoved in there uh when they come out it says they didn't even have a smell of smoke on their clothes that it's the idea that he walked through fire and the redemption is so powerful mm. that I can't even catch a hint of his old life yeah. on him. So once again, I mean, he's been leading our church for mm. all these years and he's been an elder for a super long time. He has been a power player. So once again, what Dan was referring to as far as the East is from the West and redemption and power uh, this is living testimony yep. right here in front of me that I get to see all the time as my good friend. So praise God, God for all that. Glory yeah. to God. Yep. Praise amen God. And yep. amen. So good. All right. So we could easily, I think, spend this entire hour talking about everything that prison Bridgeway Prison <laughs> Care does because it is constantly amazing to me. It's like I feel like I know everything, and then I'll like sit in a meeting with you, Dan, or something, and I'll hear about this like new huge project you've started. I'm like, holy cow! <laughs> so can you just give us a sense of what are some of the ways that prison care serves both individuals who are in the prison system uh, and then also their families? Well, it's all about hope. It's about hope. Uh, you know, it's been said that we can live 40 days without water. Or excuse me. No. Wow. wow. That's a long time. That's a long, a long time. time. No, we can't. <laughs> I think it's 40 we can days live without 40 food. days without food. Yeah. Four days without water. There you go. Four minutes without air, yeah. but not a minute without hope. Oh. And our prison ministry is about hope. Yeah. Webster's define hope, defines hope as confidence in a future. And so the heart of Bridgeway Prison Ministry is giving hope, hope for a future, hope to say that that God is control, hope to say Amen. that there is a possibility for redemption, that God can restore. Amen. And so through that, uh, Lane and I serve as uh, we uh, prison ministry. We serve as chaplains mm-hmm. uh, at the at the Placer County Jail. Uh, we have um, ministries on the inside where we go in. We bring teams in, like I was sharing uh, when we started the podcast, and, and where we go in to the juvenile hall, the Sacramento County Juvenile Hall, Max Unit, where I serve uh, as a chaplain right now. We go in and we bring Easter uh, to them. We bring services. We bring food to them. Mm-hmm. We also minister uh, behind the walls where we have, we're leading our Bible studies, building disciples in our Bible, sh- Bible studies. Um, we also have ministries that are outside the jail. And one of the things that, uh, as God touched my heart, is that the families of mm-hmm. those that are incarcerated yeah, are overlooked. They're just completely forgotten. I can yeah, remember pulling yeah. up to the Sacramento County Boys Ranch and waiting to go in, and there would be a sea of cars in the parking lot. And these were all the families yeah, that were yeah. sitting and waiting to go see yeah. uh, their uh, the the those that were incarcerated. And I saw brokenness all mm-hmm. over. So yeah. one of the things we wanted to do at Bridgeway is say to the family that you're not alone. Yeah. And so we started a, a family support group. And this is for the families and the loved ones of those that are incarcerated. This gives them an opportunity to come together, to, to have somewhere where they can not feel shame, that they could feel yeah. hope. 
and that they can get help uh, in navigating the incarceration system. You know, there's so many things to navigate. I just printed up here uh, some of the regulations. These are Title 15 regulations. They yeah. regulate everything from who can visit, how can they visit, what can they have in the jail, all those kinds of things. So we try to help them along those lines. Yeah. And for those uh, of you listening, Dan was holding up uh, quite, oh, a, quite a stack oh, of paper. Oh, yes, uh, you're yes. listening. You Looks can't, very you, intense. You're listening. Yeah, you can't. You can't see it, but trust it's us. Title 15, it's, it's, yes. it's a lot of. It's lot another of stuff. set of documents yes. I will not read. Uh, yeah, I would. I would imagine. <laughs> I mean, having. Having a family member in the prison system, I would imagine can be a very isolating experience. Very. Mm-hmm. And and yet what you're able to do is bring families together mm-hmm. into an environment where they're not the one who has a family member in the system now. It's no no no, we all do mm-hmm. and we're all here to support each other. I mean, I have to imagine that's really powerful for oh, those yeah. those families to see oh. that they're not alone. Oh, Ex- absolutely. Extremely powerful. We have a a family that comes over 150 miles round trip for our family support meetings. Wow. Or one way Oh my gosh. Uh, and it's it's amazing. I can remember going down and meeting her after I met her. Uh, we talked on the phone, and I went down to, I said, text me when you get here for a family support meeting. I went down. It was a hot summer day, and when I went down, I, I, I came around the side. I saw that she had children. I opened up her, her, her little car, and uh, I was overwhelmed with the smell of uh, McDonald's and heat and— yeah poop and everything and sweat and just the the travel that this this lady came to get support and it's something that's very vital that we as a church we need to to do yeah yeah absolutely what do people need to know lane we'll go to you here for a second what what do people need to know about god's heart for the incarcerated because i I think you can say this about a lot of different segments of society For, for those of us who don't have a lot of experience with the prison system and all of that it's just unfo- the unfortunate reality is it's way too easy for us to ignore, which oh, yeah. is, is not a good thing, obviously. Yeah. What do we need to understand about God's heart for the incarcerated? It's going to sound a little cliche, yeah. but I mean, you know, he doesn't view them or their life or their sin any differently than he does the four of us sitting here today, Amen. right? Yeah. I mean, we're all walking through sin each and every day, yep. and God deals with us on different levels each yep. and every day. He's long suffering, compassionate, and kind, thank the Lord, right? Yep. But sometimes he brings, you know, judgment, and these guys are no different than you and I and the four of us sitting here today, right? They're just walking through sin and God happened to bring judgment on them in a different way than he does for us each and every day. And they're just walking through that. They're, they're no yeah. different. Their sin is not viewed any differently than, than ours is to God. Right. Um, and we should therefore obviously treat them the same as we would any other brother walking or sister walking into the church seeking help and restoration. They should be viewed the same way. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, absolutely. That's good. Let me, let me just add into that because I think that the stigma that surrounds incarceration and the families, because once again, the slime... Yeah. Yeah. The stigma slime hits them. Oh, your husband's incarcerated. Like That's suddenly right. that means something about them. That's yeah. right. And they're like, wait, oh, your dad's incarcerated. Like now what? You have the right. cooties, you know? Right. Uh, yeah. This this whole idea of a stigma, I, w- I want to remind everybody, think back through all the stuff that you've done in your life that you didn't get caught for. Yeah. How yep. many times have you sped and did not get a ticket? Yeah. Right. So let's add all those up. Yeah. If you have that many speeding tickets, you are incarcerated. Yeah. I'm just telling yeah. you right now. Yeah. The other thing is sometimes there's the issue of manslaughter. Sometimes there's the issue of accidental negligence. Sometimes there's a lot of things that incarcerate people. And we always kind of put everyone into one category. Well, you're incarcerated because you're a bad person. Yeah. Well, hold on. We're all bad people. That's Some right. got incarcerated. That's right. You know what I mean? That's right. 
And the idea of saying that when you go into minister, you're not going to minister to a different sort of person. Yeah. You're just going in to minister to people. Yeah. They happen to be in a different location and do not have the freedoms that you do. Yeah. Now, I'm not giving an excuse right. to, for the things on why what people do, yeah, including absolutely. me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and some of us get caught. And when we have to be incarcerated, that's brutal. I just want to lower the stigma and say, when you walk in, I mean, just the idea that you and I are so close, Lane, mm-hmm. and that that was your reality. Yeah. But uh, once again, it doesn't change anything. No, and so, I can tell you that. I, I mean, I personally walk through that stigma, right? And yeah, I yeah. still sometimes today when I share sure. it with certain people, I get that look. They don't know they're giving it to me, but I get that look of, <laughs> really? Yes. And you're leading in Bridgeway. You're an yes. elder at Bridgeway. There's a look of astonishment and shock and yeah. sometimes even a little disgust, even to this day, right? Yeah. Wow. Um, but when you go to share it outside the church is where it becomes really a stigma, right? When you share mm. it, like when I shared it with neighbors or I shared yes. or, or neighbors just found out, right? Yep. For, for whatever reason, <laughs> yeah. um, it, you get the stigma attached. Your kids get that stigma attached, like you said, Lance, and it becomes like a like a marker of shame, right? Yes. On you and your family. You just have to process through. And my yeah. family's had to walk through a lot of that stuff. So, yeah. 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 Wow. Dan, how about you? What else does, what, what else do we need to understand about God's heart for those who are, who are affected by the, the prison system in some way? I think, I think we need to understand God's heart in the matter. We look at uh, <clears throat> Jesus. Uh, he brought attention to, to those that are pr- in prison at the beginning of his ministry in Luke 4, 18 and then at the end of his ministry in Matthew 25. Mm-hmm. And so we see that Jesus has a heart for those that are incarcerated. We know that um, the Old Testament and the New Testament are a catalog of people that have been incarcerated and God right. has used in mighty ways. Yeah. And also we have to ask ourselves, why is it then that we don't do it? And I think that um, we have to remember that you know prisoners, those in jail, uh, are easily forgotten. Yeah. And they're written off as a helpless cause. And that's why I think God loves them so much, because they're the outcasts. Because yeah. as, as it says in Mark two seventeen, it is not the healthy that need a doctor, yeah. uh, but it is the sick. And yeah. I have come not to call the righteous, but the sinners. Yeah. And so we need to understand that that God does not despise the broken. That's right. God does not leave the broken. Yeah. God loves the broken. Yeah. And in fact, he considers, we look at in Matthew 25, in, in uh, this, the, the final exam that Jesus gives him in Matthew 25, there's six questions on the final exam, and he's talking about prison ministry. I was in prison, and you visited me. And they say, well, when did you do that? When did we see you doing that? And when you did it to the least of these, you yeah. did it to me. So we see that God has a heart for the broken. We yeah. see that all are equal as yeah. well. All stand equal with God, whether yeah. we're wearing orange or we're here today or wherever, we're all equal in God's sight. The sufficiency yeah. of the cross yeah. travels all the way through humankind. Yeah. And um, we need to remember that, uh, you know, God does not give up on those in prison Yeah, and God remembers them. Yeah. And we need to remember them as a church. We need to remember them as yeah. a body. We need to remember Amen. them. Yeah, no, that's absolutely right. Yeah. Let me just add something to that, you know, because I think that there are some people that justify an inactivity in prisons because they said, well, in the New Testament, all those guys were in prison for sharing the gospel. It wasn't like we were talking about a whole bunch of criminals. These are these are believers that right. because they went against the government were thrown into jail. So they weren't out there committing crimes and hurting people. So yeah. that's why he was focusing on making sure to go into prison. But let me let me remind you of this. Um, the reason why I think prison ministry is so critical is they're not coming to church. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They can't come to church. This yeah. whole idea where we design this idea: if you come, you'll be ministered yeah, to. Yeah, yeah. There is a physical reason mm-hmm. 
they are not going to come to church. Yeah. The out of sight, out of mind, suddenly what? Now they don't have anyone coming to minister to them? That yep. That's not okay. I mean, that think about it this way. If you want to talk about different ministries, I think there's certain ministries in the church that are hard, that, that are a difficult harvest, and there's some that are easy harvest. Yeah. Um, I think, like, for example, if you want to see people saved, you want to be in kids' ministry, because statistics show most yeah. kids are the right. ones that come to receive Christ. Right. But the other thing is, if you want to see transformation, mm. get into prison ministry, and yeah. here's why. Because desperation and difficult circumstances, a lot of us have committed crimes, and we've excused them and moved on. Right. Mm. They can't do that. They're reminded every day of something. Yeah. It brings back a desperation, and desperation's where Jesus shines. Yeah. Yeah. And so if you want to talk about a harvest where you actually have something that happens when you get a chance to minister to people, man, you might want to consider this. Yeah. And honestly, that's... <laughs> That what that's what makes me, that I always say it to anybody that asks me. It's my favorite small group of the week, right? Is yeah. going into the jail. It really is yeah. for the reason that Lance mentioned. Yeah. They are hungry. They are desperate. They are open. Yeah. They are vulnerable for the most part. Believe it or not, even though these are hardened criminals in a lot of places, mm-hmm. right? They are very vulnerable to what's going on in their life, and they're searching for answers. Yeah. You know, unlike mm-hmm. some of us, right? When we oh, get sure. small group, I don't want to tell anybody my junk because they might judge me. Yep. These guys just put it on the table. Yep. You know, yeah. and they look for guidance. Got a thousand so. other escapes that I can go to. Whereas yeah. in 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 prisoner in the jail it's like well here we are yeah let's just be let's get it out there yeah. yeah no hey i mean that makes sense it's the only place you can hear, hear an f-bomb at a bible study and it's okay too so <laughs> just want to put that out there it's kind of interesting <laughs> there you go now letting that's you and funny. i are in a bible study that's not together. me that's not me but i do hear the f-bomb at a bible study <laughs> that's funny um so we've talked about this a little bit but but i wonder if there's anything more on on, on this question just in terms of common misconceptions about people who are in the prison system where i've criminal records. What do you guys see and, and what are th- kind of common issues you see in terms of things that we misunderstand, those of us who don't have experience in the system, that, that we don't understand about those who are affected by the system? I would say that, I mean, again, it kind of sounds cliche, but for the most part, the majority of the people is because they really didn't have any other option that they were taught. We talk about this in a bunch yep. of different cultures and yeah. you know racism and all different areas of life, right? Sure. We talk about this, so it's a little bit cliche, but it is yeah. true. You know, being in there and getting to know a lot of guys and ministering to a lot of guys, you know, when I got out on the other side of it, um, that's when you really get close and personal with them, you find out that a lot of them just really were groomed to sort of yeah. be that way. And I mean, yeah. what I mean by that is that's how they were raised. Yeah. Doesn't mean they didn't have choices along the way. I'm not saying that, and everybody sure. has responsibility. But some of them, from an early age, were sort of groomed for the lifestyle that they led. Yep. Um, and they really didn't know any different. Yeah. So. Yeah. I wasn't one of those. I had all yeah. kinds of options and opportunities. <laughs> I wanted to be that way, yeah. and that's what makes mine kind of more shameful than theirs. But I think the there, judgment so. that that we put out there is say, I would never do that. Yeah. And you go, right. well, hold on, you're not in their circumstances. That's right. What right. about you, Dan? Any thoughts on on that? Well. The issue, like uh, Chaplain Lane was talking about, it's a complex issue, really, when we look at the incarcerated. We look at multipolar issues. Eighty percent of those that are incarcerated have a substance issue. Um, Sixty or more percent have serious mental health issues. Yeah. Uh, Over 70 percent are fatherless. And this goes back to my heart in Psalm 68. When we look at that, they're fatherless. And then uh, also uh, the recidivism, regrettably, within three months of incarceration, over 60% return. That's why it's such yeah. an urgent issue yeah. to us. But I think also, Pastor Brian, it's an issue in the body of Christ of not understanding forgiveness, mm. not understanding forgiveness Amen. on their own self, not yeah. understanding what God did on the cross, yeah. what has happened at the cross. Yeah. And I think that if you don't understand forgiveness in your walk with God, then you're going to have a difficult 
time looking at, say, someone that you could see their outward sin and bringing them, you know, the 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 forgiveness. For you know, it's like not forgiving. It's like drinking poison, uh, and uh, and thinking it was hurting the other person. Yeah, right. and right. so uh, we see that, and also the today's prisoner is tomorrow's neighbor. And yeah. so I think we forget that. We, that. we really yeah. forget that. And Lane's and we, neighbors. Yeah, there you so, go. Yeah, yeah. So like, so, who's yeah. this guy again? What's his address? So what we see is over 90% of the incarcerated are going to be coming out of incarceration. It's yeah. not lock away, lock them up and throw yeah. away the key and forget them. They're going to come back. They're going to be your neighbor. They're going to be yeah. serving you. They're going to be building your home. They're going to be you know, working on your car. They're going to yeah. be doing all kinds of things. So why not give them that love and reach out to them while they're in there? Yeah. Instead of when, waiting till they come out or even, you know, judging them when they yeah. come out. Like Lane mm-hmm. said, you know, we view one of the things we need to do a better job in the body of Christ is not view, like you were saying, uh, uh, Chaplain Lane, those uh, that are incarcerated with suspicion. Uh, we, we, we see them, you know, we interact cautiously around them. We find out, oh, you've been in jail or, oh, I yeah. see this, this neck tattoo on you. I see these exterior things. And that's not how God sees us. Yeah, yeah. I always have such a hard time with, I mean, I'll, I'll hear different people say things uh, like, oh, well, you know, I've always kind of kept my nose clean and I've always done done yeah, the right yeah. thing. Kind of lands to your point about, well, no, you just haven't gotten caught. But yeah. you hear people say, oh, they don't have compassion for those who are incarcerated because they say, well, hey, I've done my part. I haven't committed crimes and everything yeah. else. And I just go back to when I came with you, Dan, to mm-hmm. the to the Max Unit Juvenile mm-hmm. Hall a couple yeah. of years ago. Yeah. We brought some food. I got to share a little message. It was cool. Mm-hmm. And then after that, they gave us, I don't, it wasn't that much time, maybe 10 mm-hmm. or 15 mm-hmm. minutes to sit at the table with these young mm-hmm. men who were what? Teenagers? Teenagers. Yeah. yeah. And just to talk to them. And I'm like, okay, if I have 10, 15 minutes with, with a young man here, like, I just want to listen to him. You know, mm-hmm. just be someone. And I remember this this kid telling me his story. And telling me where he came from. And it's it's an abbreviated version. I get that. And I'm not saying we're not accountable for our sure. decisions. But I'm listening to the family situation he was in, where he lived, what was going on around him. And I'm thinking, if I was born in that situation, yep. I would have been the exact same way. Like, hey, man. I mean, yeah. it... I didn't get to pick being born into a stable middle-class family with, a pre- right. with two present parents. Right. And this kid didn't pick to get born into the position he was in. And again, I'm not saying that that's an excuse for all of our bad behavior, yeah. but for those of us who were born into situations that were uh, that maybe predisposed us towards a, a lower likelihood of, of committing crimes right, and things right. like that, we just need to recognize that a lot of these you know, men and women, you know, Dan, even referencing the stats you just shared, they're born into situations where if it was us, we would have done the exact same thing. And yeah. and that's where I think this sort of pride of, oh, well, I've always done my part. That's now, right. those that are born into those situations and find mm-hmm. a way to overcome it, I mean, complete respect stories, to them. Yeah. Incredibly yeah. powerful stories. Yeah. But I just think we need to be careful, those of us who by no choice of our own, by no effort of our own, for whatever reason, God placed into mm-hmm. more stable mm-hmm. situations. That has more of an impact than I think we realize. Yeah, and, let, oh, me, let me just highlight one yeah. simple issue. So right now we've been talking in the news about the opi- opioid epidemic, yeah. Oh, yeah. that wealthy people can afford prescriptions. And a lot of wealthy people got hooked on prescriptions. Yeah. If you don't have the ability to get prescriptions, you get out on the street. Yeah. Yeah. That will throw you in jail. Yeah. So like what you maybe have walked through and done and struggled with, you are allowed to struggle with in a legitimate legal way. Yeah. 
other people didn't even have that chance. Yeah. Yeah. They ended up having to go to a different method, which got them into prison. Because right. a lot of stuff is is drugs related. Um, I do want to do one clarification real quick. Yep. Um, because I think that a lot of our listeners have not been in jail. Mm-hmm. So first question, um, and I'll ask Lane, I'll ask you this question. What's the difference between prison and jail? <laughs> Mm-hmm. Anymore, it's getting less and less, right? Okay. I mean, it used to be you couldn't do more than two years. I think it was two years max in, in a county jail, which is why I got blessed not to have to go to state prison. But uh, you had to go into state prison if you're any more than two years. Now you can go up to five years, I think it is, in county jail. So the degree of, uh, I'll call it the uh, the level of the inmate is becoming more and more uh, level between state and county jails. But there's still a degree of difference between uh, being incarcerated in a prison system and being incarcerated in a county jail system in terms of the amount uh, – the the type of people that you're incarcerated with. I guess that's the easiest way so I can say So it's usually lower level sentencing yeah, in jail? Yeah, lower level sentences, obviously shorter sentences, and less mm-hmm. to a less degree, not as violent a crimes because that accompanies with a longer jail sentence, right? So you're right. typically in with lower level crimes, not as dangerous, you know, not that there isn't people in there that have committed crimes and now they're back in on a county charge. I was yes. surrounded by a lot of those guys, right, that mm-hmm. had done 20 years in prison, but they're only there because it was their second strike and they stole the bottle of tequila, you yes. know, so they're in county jail. So there's there's both in there, but mm-hmm. it's more likely that you're going to be surrounded by, I guess, a little more of a career criminal in a state prison. Yeah. The other thing that I want to highlight is what it's like inside. It's not Shawshank Redemption. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's kind of how everybody has this old school feeling where, you know, you walk up and down yeah. and there's the, you know, the keys jingling yeah. and yeah. there's the the bar. I'm not saying that there's not bars, but like, for example, I yeah. went into the max unit for the, the young kids. You go in there and it's basically looks almost like a hospital. Mm-hmm. Quite frankly, when you're walking up and down the halls, it just seems like you're in a hospital ward. Yeah. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, when they come out of their rooms, you realize, well, it's doors. Right. There's no bars. Right. And then there's, you know, there's little windows and stuff like that. But then they come out into a general hall and you basically have all these kids pulled out of their neighborhoods and now they're all wearing similar things. All right. And then they all sit down and you're hanging out and having dinner. The the chairs, you, they're built into the ground. You know what I mean? It's like- <laughs> So you can't hit each other. So you can't hit each other. <laughs> but other than that, it's shockingly similar yeah. to a lot of environments that we're in. Yeah, yeah. But when you haven't been there- there's this perception of TV and it's, you know, the longest yard and you know it's it's all this stuff, this brutal stuff. And you go, well, no, there is some pretty hardcore areas. And Mm. when you're going to start getting into some of the tougher things, the prison systems, the max prisons and stuff like that, the shoe down in, you know, Pelican Bay and all that that stuff. Okay. Yes, you're right. But a lot of people are incarcerated in environments that are, they're scary to live in. Yeah. But they don't look like TV. Yeah. So yeah. is there anything that you guys can give kind of a little bit more realistic picture about how it is on the inside? Yeah. I mean, for, for me, I mean, I only spent, I think one of the times I was in was I actually behind physical bars, right? Right. All other times it was either uh, in, a, in a cell, like you said, that has like a regular door and a window on it. Yeah. Um, you know, inside it's not obviously that nice, but it has yeah. a regular door and a window. So you yes. f- it feels a little bit normal. Um, but most of the modern jails, like, you know, the one down the street from us here at the church, right? Um, South Placer yeah. County Jail. When you walk in, it's actually a very nice facility. They have video visits. They have yeah. iPads that they can use for specific web browsing, obviously, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> for for general purposes that can help in their, you know, rehabilitation or whatever, right? But they do have a lot of things that you and I are normally used to on a day-to-day basis. 
the difference, right, obviously, is the absentee of anybody who loves and cares about you on a daily basis, yes. right? I mean, that's the difference. But and freedom. That, that, that small little thing. Small little thing. And freedom, right? Love I mean, and freedom. Yeah. If you can live without those. Yeah, you're good, right? Um, but, you know, for most of the guys that, that uh, I don't know about Dan, but where I minister into, they only get out, I think it's a total of three hours a day. So even though they wow. do have that nice, comfortable door that may look, you know, okay, right. that's not so bad looking, you're stuck in an eight by yes. 12, right, for 20 20 hours a day, you know, with somebody who you may or may not get along with, right? Wow. So, so the door may look nice, but behind that door may not be so sweet, right? Who knows so, what's going on back there? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. The experience is brutal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but um, just once again, just visually, it's a little bit different. Well, and I think yeah. that's important for people who are maybe on the fence a little bit about, you know, yep. I'm kind of scared to go in there because I watch all those prison shows on reality yes. TV, and right. they always pick the worst places, yep. you know, in America <laughs> to, to yeah. video those those programs from. You know, you walk into Placer County Jail, it's 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 very safe, right? Yes. I'm just gonna say. That that I've yep. never one time in the 10 or 12 years I've been serving in prison ministry have I felt uncomfortable. Yeah. Have I felt like my life was in jeopardy or even remotely close, right? right. So yeah. yeah, no, and that's certainly an important thing for for people to understand, yeah. especially when it's yeah, when it's a mystery and you haven't been there and you got Sounds you know, scary. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It does sound scary. Yeah. Yeah. Dan, can you can you give us kind of a, a even just a story about when you interact with the kids, sometimes there's some emotion in there. So I went in and as a dad I had a very intriguing reaction to it. And I know that moms also do this. When we have moms go in there with us, they see these kids and you go, oh, my goodness. Oh, yeah. This is a teenager. And you go, what if that's my child? So can you kind of – some of these kids, yes, they've done some brutal stuff and everything else. But a lot of them are scared. A lot of them are just troubled. You know what I mean? Has that been your experience? Yes, it has been my experience um, that, but let me just go back to the, the, the jail and the bars. Um, the South Placer jail is unique. Uh, is, it's a silent jail, but if you go up to Auburn jail, uh, you will see bars and you mm-hmm. will see yeah. a different, uh, a completely different scenario. Old school. Yeah. But um, there is, there's loss. They're, they're, feel, they're fearful. They, they put on a tough exterior, yes. tremendously tough exterior but when you're sitting down with them when you're praying with them when you're looking at them and you see that the 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 tears and you hear you ask them for a prayer request and they say pray for my grandma pray for my mom pray for my little sister uh you see that this this is a youth this 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 is this is not an adult this is a youth and so it's it's very difficult it's very hard yeah yeah i'd love to hear i mean you guys Obviously, you're on the front lines of prison ministry. So, so whether it's a story from stuff that you're personally involved in, or even from just programs or, or or situations that you're aware of, what are some ways that God is working in prison ministry? I mean, Lane, you already talked about how mm-hmm. it's it's the most open and honest kind of small group that you're yeah. in, and it is pretty cool to hear just whether it's from the two of you or things I read about in the news or others in our congregation who are mm-hmm. involved in prison ministry. In the midst of all of that fear, in the midst of some of that that hopelessness. God's doing some cool stuff. Yeah. So maybe, uh, maybe Dan, we'll start with you. Just what are some either things you've experienced or programs you're aware of that mm-hmm. where, where God is working uh, behind the walls? Well, there's some amazing things happening in prison ministry right now. It's it's what they call an indigenous ministry, and you see some crazy, wonderful things happen, especially in the South. I'm thinking of a prison uh, in Louisiana, Angola prison. They looked at how can we how can we what can we do to rehabilitate uh, these offenders so that they can go out and be productive? And what they yeah. did is they looked at something called moral rehabilitation, moral 
rehabilitation. And what they did is they partnered with a, a seminary, New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary. This seminary came in and offered them seminary courses, just transforming the heart. And wow. those are the kind of things that are making a big difference yeah. in, in, in their life because it's a heart transformation. It's a heart issue. It's not an issue of, I'm not going to do this again. I'm never going to do this again. Yeah. It's an issue of God changing your heart. And I think that the more the church gets into the jails like that, and we need to see more of that here on the West Coast, uh, we have a lot of opportunity, but we're not capitalizing on that opportunity. Going back to what Lane set up in jails, they often have just one opportunity uh, a week for a limited amount of time for their yep. spiritual health. That's not a lot of time. No. That's yeah. not a lot of time. So some of the ministries are going in there and starting seminaries. They're they're being more intentional. There's uh, God Behind Bars, a ministry that's having church services. There's a church in Texas that has a, a congregation that is uh, uh, inside the jail. And, I, and the pastor joked and said, we're only missing two things. We don't have a, a children's ministry and a mission ministry. So I'll volunteer to be sent out. Yeah, <laughs> But the, the fact... <laughs> fact is that, that that those 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 ministries are making a tremendous difference in lives, changing lives. Yeah, yeah. Lane, how about you? I'll make it a little more local and maybe personal because yeah. uh, Dan's already touched on some of the regional, you know, larger state issue or programs that they're running, right? But here locally, right, even at Bridgeway, we've got a, a ministry that goes into Folsom Prison. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bill Thomas heads that up, and he takes in a team of I don't even know how many guys now, uh, guys and girls, mm-hmm. and they go in and they do hardcore reshaping. Mm-hmm recalibrating, you know, manhood, right? They address yeah. that head on and moral yeah. moral recompassing and things like that. But it's a one year, I think, and even a two year, depending on how long the guy's going to be in there. They spend a year up to two years with these guys going through hardcore. They, I, I can't remember the name of the program now, but it involves reshaping your manhood, right? Mm-hmm. Rediscovering what your true identity is in Christ and yeah. building out from there yeah. and helping them get through some of those struggles of not having a father in their life. And yeah. You look like you were going to say something. Well, no, I'm just yeah. trying to think of the, of the name of the program. It's I know, on the it's tip of my tongue, too. Authentic but, manhood? Uh, men's fraternity. Men's fraternity. That's it. That's, it. That's there you the go. one. There yes. you go. I've been through that. Not in prison, but I've been through that. Yeah. It's a tremendous program. Yeah. And it seems to me that, I, and again, I'm speaking from ignorance yeah. here because my, my knowledge of what it's like behind bars is, is minimal, but I mean, the opportunity that exists there to sort of, okay, you have a captive audience and a focused yeah. amount of time to train men and women in kind of reframing their thoughts and their yeah. hearts, to train up in skills that can be used outside, to just sort of address mm-hmm. some of the challenges that led them to where they are. That's right. It seems like that's a real opportunity there and a place where the church is somewhat uniquely positioned to to really be of benefit to those who are in that position. Yeah. And then if you kind of break it down to the next level, right? I mean, when they get out, um, Dan and I both had experience in this, and so has Bill and others, I'm sure, in the church. It's when they get out, right, and you invest in someone one-on-one. Yeah. That's what really takes that from being something they learned into something that they can actually apply to their back into their families and give them real-world demonstration and evidence of how that looks. Like for us and our family, you know, when someone gets out and I choose to invest in them, of course, I use discernment and wisdom. Sure. And yep. I, I – uh, bring them into my circle of influence slowly. Mm-hmm. But for those that I feel like are in a right place to receive that, I engage them wholeheartedly with my family. I've done that. Yeah. My, all my kids have grown up mm-hmm. sitting around the dinner table with ex-felons and, you know, uh-huh. ex-convicts, you know, having dinner with us at some point in their lives, right? Yeah. And I'll tell you, just to make it personal, uh-huh. I'll just use one example. One of those guys used to go here to Bridgeway, he doesn't anymore, but he went to Bridgeway for like six or seven years, mm-hmm. you know, got out, 
We invested in for about a year. He got married. He's got three kids, maybe four now. I kind of lost track. Uh, lives here in Lincoln, and he got involved in Bridgeway, and he led Bible studies for years here. He led ministries here at Bridgeway for years. Um, wow. This was a guy who had felonies, you know, a list a mile long, yeah. and uh, looked like he might not be able to go anywhere. And, you know, with God's love and redemption, it just for somebody, it didn't have to be me, but it just happened to be me, yeah. investing in him on a personal nature yeah. and making it real for him and showing him what it looked like to be in a loving family. Mm-hmm. That guy's thriving today, yeah. just tearing it up. Yeah, it's doing amazing. great things for the kingdom. So, yeah. Wow. I yeah. mean, and just, yeah, the power of that sort of investment, helping people turn the corner, God obviously at yeah. work in the situation. Yeah. It's amazing. Mind it's great blowing. stuff. Yeah. I want to talk for a minute now about the effect of incarceration on families, mm. because as has been stated by the two of you, incarceration doesn't just affect the individual behind each person is, is some sort of family structure. Yeah. Uh, Dan, in the work that you're doing with these support groups and everything else, what are some ways that you're seeing incarceration is affecting the families of those who are in the system? Oh, well, it's it's destroys families. It tears the fabric of the family apart. It divides families. People, uh, families, when one is incarcerated, uh, families will uh, abandon that person. Uh, families, there's uh, uh, families that are that. They become isolated. There's a financial impact. They lose, you know, a breadwinner. There's a, a, you know, tremendous economic impact. There's a social impact. Where did your husband go? Where is your father? Yeah. Uh, there's, uh, you know, like I said, the, the shame, you know, it's, it's a very big issue. One in four women, one in four have uh, an incarcerated or no, uh, you know, a loved one. Uh, in their family. That's a lot. Wow. So it's a silent issue. It breaks families apart. Oh, yeah. It even divides churches mm-hmm. when, when a church, you know, we have it when they get out, uh, a, a lot of times what I will do with them is we will write an acceptance letter. We will say, let's write a letter to this church and say, you're getting out and you want to know when you get out, will you accept me? Because what we find when they get out and they're ready to meet up with their family back at church, they're not accepted. Yeah. So, And then that just turns them away, turns the families away. And not only that, let's talk about the children. The children yeah. are broken. The children yeah. don't, don't have a father. The children of the incarcerated are five times more likely to be involved in the incarceration system. So it's a global problem in the sense that the family just destroys them. But what can bring them together is Jesus. What can bring them together is a church that says, we welcome you, a church like Bridgeway that says, come here, you can be welcome here. You are welcomed here. Yeah. Now, Lance, I know that you personally have participated in a ministry that we have here at Bridgeway that ministers to the families of those who are incarcerated. You and your family have helped with delivering gifts and all that. Uh, what have you seen in that experience in terms of what families are going through and just how, how, how appreciative they are of support? Yeah. Um, speaking of the Bridgeway Angels, right? The, yeah, we got to get to that. Yep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and just explain the program and I'll talk about my story real yeah. quick. So, Dan, explain, okay. the, explain how it okay. works. Okay. Well, Bridgeway Angels, well, Bridgeway Christian Church Prison Care is a lifeline of hope offering unconditional love and support to the incarcerated and their families. And one of the ways that we do that is about five years ago, both Lane and I are chaplains in the Placer County Jail. We were able to form a partnership with our Placer County Jail in providing gifts for all the kids who have a mom or dad in jail. So what we do, what we've done for these last years is our church, our faithful church, that's a shout out to Bridgeway. We got coming around to the Bridgeway (laughs) Angels. So make sure you, so we have a, let me see, I might just happen to have something here from let's see here okay we're on okay well (laughs) we're live okay i have an angel this angel 
This angel, okay, you can't see this, I guess, but yes. I have a homemade angel. And what this is, this represents Bridgeway Angels. And what Bridgeway Angels is, is an opportunity for the church to minister to the children and the families. Yeah. The church gets them a gift. And then what we do, we go a step further, is we deliver that gift to the family. These are mostly unchurched people, not expecting anything. We come into their home, we deliver that gift, we bring them a gift bag. And in this case, one of our families... Uh, who has an incarcerated loved one, uh, designed these beautiful little angels. I guess we can't see them, uh, but they're a beautiful angel. Yeah. Uh, leave it to your imagination if you can't <laughs> see it. So we deliver that, and we welcome them to church. We minister to them. And so we have teams. Last year, I think we had 30 different Bridgeway teams, and Pastor Lance has been one. Uh, uh, Chaplain Lane and I have gone out a number of times. When we go out, we see brokenness. We see families that don't have electricity. We see families that are struggling. So it gives our, as a church to to minister into their lives, to come into their lives through the Bridgeway Angels. Mm -hmm. Also, the Bridgeway Angels is, I got to get this in because this is an opportunity also as Bridgeway Angels grows, we're ministering to the homeless, our gathering in children, mm -hmm. also children of in schools that are impacted by incarceration. We last year partnered with our school across the street and we're able to provide gifts working with the principal. This year, we've already, we're already partnering with three different schools and many classrooms in difficult areas that have kids that are affected by incarceration. So we're going to get them gifts. We're going to minister to the families. Awesome. And I'm past my 90-second limit, but I want to get this in. I know you can't see it, but we also have a donor that gives an action Bible yeah. to everyone. So not only that, we're giving them a gift, but we're Oh, here's my Bridgeway. Yeah, uh, thing here. But, so <laughs> yes, yeah. we're the doing the Bible's awesome. Yes. Uh, yeah, so, so I got a chance to go out and deliver those gifts yeah. with with our family, with my family personally. And I remember that one of the areas uh, we came in um, to a, a an apartment complex, and we got a chance to go in there with the gifts. And um, there was a little guy that was in there that we were bringing gifts to, and his mom was there. So they invited us in. Once again, we thought we were going to drop off. Mm -hmm. And they were like, hey, well, come on in. Yeah. So we're in this little tiny apartment, and he was watching Rescue Dogs cartoons. Uh -huh. It was awesome. And so I was like, hey, what are you watching? You know, and I automatically, you know, I love animals and cartoons, so it worked yeah. out great. And kids. <laughs> and kids, yeah. So uh, we were doing very well together. But anyway, um, he actually uh, wanted to open it right there while we were there. Now, we wanted to just leave it because, you know, it wasn't the idea of, hey, open it in front of us and see, you know. It was the idea, listen, we're just blessing you. You do whatever you want. But he got to open one, his mom. And when he opened it just him immediately getting into playing with stuff and just looking around that even though it was a relatively normal looking life you could see hardship yeah and this little guy just going you know what i have a i have a toy rescue dog car yeah. and i'm watching the show at the same time it happened to be the same toy that's awesome because a lot of times you get little um indicators on what mm -hmm. they like and stuff yeah. like that and and he immediately started playing, and he wanted to show me everything. Yeah, yeah. and it was just so cute. So anyway, yeah. that I, that was just such a, a an enriching environment. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and just the opportunity to like, okay, like you said, there's signs of hardship all yep. over the place here, but we have the ability to come in, bring some joy, bring some hope, yes. bring some excitement. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Now, another thing I want to touch on is there are there are inevitably those who are going to be fearful about churches in particular being too accepting of those who have criminal records. As yeah. you say, well, if we're too accepting, it opens us up to, to safety concerns mm -hmm. and, and things of that nature. Yeah. What would you say to those who are fearful of having yeah. those with a criminal record involved in church? And then also, let's just be, be honest, steps do need to be taken. Yeah. What steps do churches need to take to balance accepting 
individuals who come and who have a, who have a record, while at the same time reducing potential safety risks. Yeah. Uh, Lane, why don't we, we start sure. with you on that one? Let me start by saying that every church has criminals, ex-felons, yes. you know, ex-cons. Yeah. They're in all of our churches. Yeah. Yep. You don't know about a lot of them, but they're in all of our churches, right? Yeah. I sat unknown in our church, and it wasn't until I decided to get involved in ministry and shared my testimony yep. that this church knew, right? right? Luckily, they were accepting of it. But mm-hmm. again, they're everywhere. Yeah, we they're just don't know about them all, right? It's only the ones that are more public, <laughs> yeah. you know, that and are- And in our neighborhoods and in our workplaces. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Some of their, you know, some charges show up on websites, right? right? And, you know, the church has the ability to go, hey, I think I recognize that guy. But for the most part, they're everywhere. Right. So, but I think, you know, I would rather have some level of awareness in a church if I was a church as opposed to not having a place that was a like a beacon where they could go, oh, I can relate to that because I did just get out of jail and there's something over there that kind of ministers to the jail or at least some acknowledgement of acceptance in the church for yeah. people who have been incarcerated, yeah. some kind of beacon of hope. Yeah. If you don't provide that, you really have no way of knowing that they're in your church and you right. get no opportunity to really address them and minister to them and to protect yourself, right? Yeah. So with Bridgeway, because everybody does know that you can come here and it's a safe place. For people that do come, we always find out what their charges are and we address those accordingly, right? But there's a lot of churches that don't have the resources to do that. And unfortunately, when they find out about certain charges, you know, that may involve kids or whatever, they don't want them in the churches. And I've heard stories of they ask them to leave. And that's okay if you really are a small church and you just don't have the resources to watch over that. There's no shame in that. Where I think there's a breakdown and a little bit of responsibility is you need to partner with a church that does, right? right? Right. Get them to somebody that does have the resources to love on them and protect them and protect the body. Yeah. And I'm, I'm grateful for the fact that, I mean, here at Bridgeway, we have... Volunteers have to be live scanned, right? Yeah. So anybody, especially if you're going to work with children, but really, that's how anybody, I got found out. Anybody, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> anybody who's volunteering yeah. has to be live scanned, and that's so that yeah. if there's any sort of an issue that we're aware of that would put a child or another person mm-hmm. in harm's way, we're aware of that situation, yeah. so that we might say to somebody with that sort of background, okay, in light of your background. We're not saying you're not accepted here. You can't be a part of the congregation, but it's it's not appropriate for you yeah. to maybe serve in these particular areas. But we have the resources to say, okay, in working with law enforcement, with working working with the appropriate going through the appropriate channels, we can figure out ways mm-hmm. to say, okay, what is a way for you to be able to be involved and accepted here That's right. in a way <clears throat> that uh, this can be a place where you can thrive and you can grow, and you know, appropriate precautions are being are yeah. being taken for your own safety and the safety of others to make sure that we don't have incidents. And yeah. you're right, Lane, that not every church is able to do that. No. And we're certainly fortunate to be able to do that. I, I, here. I feel yeah. like we get a chance to have almost the, the best of both worlds because um, I, I want to touch on the one that everybody tends to be most afraid of. Yeah. And that's sex offenders. Yeah. yeah. So we have registered sex offenders that attend Bridgeway and have attended in the past and things like that. What I, and, and people go, Oh my gosh, what does that mean? Well, Honestly, sometimes it's because their whole family is here. Yeah. Their children are here and automatically you go, well, now you're never allowed to go to church again and you can't ever be around your church. That doesn't make any sense. So what is so amazing about it is, is our processes, our processes here. So first of all, we have a very robust security team. Yep. We have, um, you know, whether it's military or ex-military or officers or probation officer. I mean, these are our teams. And, um, so we are a very, very safe environment. Then we have these processes where if somebody is a registered sex offender, they actually go through a process to notify us. And we go through a whole system to where we know exactly what's going on. We're able to help them be encouraged and monitored. There's accountability everywhere. We constantly have surveillance. You know what I mean? So we we couldn't be a safer, a more safe place. But what that does is it allows us 
to invite in people that have gone through things. Um, one of the things, and I won't go too long into the, the sex offender piece of it, but um, I've had friends in my life that have walked down that road. Mm-hmm. And, and watching the... I'm not going to ever excuse the sin that they were involved in, mm-hmm. um, but watching them pay for it for 20, 30, 40 years right. is in, is intense. Yeah. yeah, and you go that is the last group that is considered the um, unforgivable. That's right. Right. Yeah. I mean, they're the, the, and so the idea that the church would go, hold on, hold on, I get it. You know what? None of us are okay with it. However, our Jesus says. And then you can go into there a whole nother place and yeah. go, we have designed a safe place of engagement where our congregation is not in danger. That's yeah. right. But at the same time, you can be loved on. Yeah. Yeah. Dan, no, I thought really felt like good. I cut you off. No, you didn't. That was you explained it better uh, than I could. But that goes back to over ten years ago and working with this ministry, working with Pastor Russ and looking at the most important thing in our ministry is the safety of our children, the safety of our church, and how do we keep them safe and also welcome those such as 290 registrants, uh, registered sex offenders. And like Pastor Lance said, our church did an amazing job uh, our uh, one of our leaders uh, on our leadership team, Heidi Coffrin, developed a security protocol. So yes. when we have someone that is a 290 registrant, we have a protocol to say instead of saying no, we're not going to accept you. We have a whole protocol. Yeah. We meet with them. We I've been in, I I get in contact with their probation officer and say, yeah. okay, they're going to come to church, uh, and so here's what we're going to do. Here's the plan that we have. We will meet them in the parking lot. They will not be uh, alone for one moment here. Church, we meet them in the in the parking lot. Yep. We bring them in. We sit right next to them at church. We ensure that they don't go to the bathroom. They don't leave anywhere. They don't go anywhere. Yeah. But they have that opportunity to go to the church. They have that protocol because ultimately, we're not going to do anybody any good if we put our our children at risk. Right. And and you know, I can say having been in many of those meetings. Uh, uh, they are, for the most part, very grateful for that because we have a plan. So we're saying you matter, and yeah. here's why you matter. We're going to have an intentional program and welcome you, and it it has been very effective. I'm very grateful yeah. to Heidi for what she's done in yes. putting that plan together. Absolutely. Yeah. It's benefit to the individuals Yes, in addition to it providing addition, safety for yes. the congregation. Yes. Yeah. And they're probation officers, so when I'm contacting them, we're getting updates, and so it has it has a very positive impact. Yeah, yeah that's great. Uh, Okay, so one of the last topics I want to hit on here is is this topic of recidivism. And Dan, you brought it up earlier. I mean, this is this has been a hot topic for a yeah. long time. A lot of different people talking about it. And and just for those who aren't familiar with the term, the idea that that uh, individuals who are in the system get released back into society and wind up back in jail. That's the concept of or, or in prison. That's the concept concept of recidivism. I did some research trying to find some numbers, and it depends <laughs> who you talk to, what the what the exact percentages percentage is, but. It is a large percentage large. of individuals who yeah. come out of prison or jail and wind up back in. So, so my two questions that, that I'd love to hear uh, kind of you guys speak to, and maybe Lane, you could start. Sure. Number one, why? Why is there such a high recidivism rate? And then number two, how are churches positioned to help reduce that? Yeah. Well, and we've talked about this a little bit throughout the day, but it's for me, I think it has a lot to do with the personal touch when the person gets out, right? Yeah. Men or women, right? Yeah. They have to have a place that they can uh, go to. They've been maybe taught through Bible study behind the walls, right? But when they get out, as Dan mentioned, right, a lot of churches are not open to that. A lot of people personally are not willing to spend time investing in them. Yeah. And they don't have 
they've been taught hope on the other side of the wall. So when they get out, they don't see hope. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? Yeah. So they've been taught about it. They've heard about this Jesus who loves them. And they've heard about the church who's welcoming and open, but they're not really seeing it, right? Yeah. And what I mean by that is someone coming alongside them. Because a lot of these folks, as we talked about, didn't have the same upbringings that the four of us were blessed with, right? Yeah. They didn't have the opportunity to uh, be raised in a proper way. So they don't really have hope. And yeah. if you don't have training and you don't have hope and you don't have somebody who's pointing you and showing you the way, um, and it's the basics, right? It's yeah. not that they don't know who Jesus is by the time they get out. Most of these guys have been through some kind of a, a jail service, right? They, right? they have the idea of who Jesus is, yeah. but they don't know how to walk out day-to-day life, right? Yeah. It's easy for her to say, well, come into my church and we'll teach you about Jesus. That's like going to a homeless place and going, I'm not bringing any food. I'm just going to tell you about Jesus and then I'm going to go home. Not yeah. that that wouldn't be awesome, sure. <laughs> but you have a better if chance of <laughs> if you feed them first yeah. and then try to tell them about Jesus. It's the same concept with the inmate, right? Yeah. You can tell them about Jesus, but if you don't walk out who Jesus is in front of them yeah. and show them how they can do things differently, and that's a lot of work. Yeah. And the help with the it, practical it, skill, getting a job, doing all these different mm-hmm. things. There you go. Yeah. That's kind of like you know feeding the homeless, sure. right? I mean, you got to yeah. you got to minister to their basic needs, and that's yeah. a lot of work, right? It, it means personal involvement, you know, from a church or an individual. But I think that's where we fall short is yeah. we talk about Jesus, but we don't show them yeah. Jesus, right? So, yeah. 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 Uh, Dan, what are your thoughts on this? Yes. Uh, the first 72 hours are critical when they get out. Yeah, the recidivism yeah. rate is the highest then because when they get out, there's nothing there. There's nobody there. Right. So we want to, like, like Lane said, we want to be there. We want to fellowship with them, you yeah. know, eat. Right. And that's where I look for that opportunity yeah. to just sit down with them right when they get out and say, hey, you're out now, you know, just to come alongside them, to be someone to pray with, to be someone that's real with them, to say, I got you. And then also what we do, uh, you know, with the risk cynicism, like Len says, they're looking for a job. They're looking for housing. Yeah. They're looking to meet their uh, their their probation uh, requirements. They're looking to restore their family. And so at the heart of all that is that relationship with God and seeing it acted out through people. In other words, I tell them, so when you get here, text me and just, and I'm going to sit with you. I'm going to be with you just to be there for them, to eat with them, to, to love on them. And it sounds simple, but it's so critical. We have so many that are in need and yet uh, uh, it's like Lane said, it's, it's difficult for people to make that investment, but we need to do that. We need yeah. to do that. And we do that here. We yeah. do it. We do that. Can here. I add one just yeah. thing? So yeah, it's, it's not always a personal investment too, because it might sound really daunting what we're describing, right? Sure. I'm going to spend like three or four nights a week with this guy and it's going to take up all my time, right? <laughs> yeah. You are going to have to spend some time with the individual, right? Guy yeah. or girl. But if you just get connected to resources, yes. you can point them to a lot of places. Yeah. And if they're wanting it, right? Yeah. And that's the key they can get help even on their own. But you need to be able to guide them to shelters, right. to food, um, to, to resources, you know, job training, and they're out there. Right. You just have to do a little bit of research. We've done that here at Bridgeway. Happy to share that with anybody. Right. But it's not something that you have to personally take on your own, right? And make right. sure that you tell them, you take them to these places or make sure that they learn about these access that they have. Right. It's, it's just a simple guide that we have here at Bridgeway just because yeah. we did a little bit of research on where they can go for basic needs. And I just so. have to assume, I mean, that resourcing component is so critical. Huge. And it's probably not intuitive if you're fresh out of jail on this like okay no. what do I do now no yeah the resources are there it's just making that connection can yeah. be a little bit of a challenge yeah. Lance what are your thoughts on this just being someone yeah. who's not uh who's you're you're leading a church you're not in 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 prison ministry to the extent that these guys are but you interact with a lot of individuals yeah. who, who who have this background mm-hmm. uh what are some ways in, in your mind that the church can contribute to kind of health for those who have who have been in prison or jail yeah well even just addressing the issue of why the recidivism let me just add one more piece to that if challenge was part of what caused the 
the felony or the or the the conviction. Let's say, for example, it was a lack of skills or it was a lack of economics that led them to start selling drugs. Right. If it was challenge that led them to get in, it's harder when they get out. Yeah. And if challenge was what led to it, your challenge is even more intense. Because yeah. um, just picture this. Everyone that is listening or watching this right now, picture you're out of jail right now. What do you do? Yep. Mm-hmm. I can guarantee you, you have no clue right. what your next step is. Right. Yep. And you go, well, there's a lot of things available. Yeah, they're not looking at them. Yep. Like, where is that yeah. list? It's not like they get handed a whole packet as they leave out and that's go, right. here's everything to set up your new life. Right. There's none of that. Yeah. And I think that's where the church can step in. The other thing is I think it deals with a lot like with homelessness is that there's a reason why someone is homeless. Yeah. And a lot of times it's an inability to have life skills. Yeah. Yeah. If the inability to have life skills got you in the situation, it's going to be really hard once you get out. It didn't get easier. That's right. And yeah. so all of a sudden, how are you supposed to follow up on your probation if you didn't have great life skills to make appointments before? Yeah. Now all of a sudden you got all these demands and yeah. you're still not very good at life skills. Yeah. Yep. You didn't develop them in prison. Yeah. So now all of a sudden you got to do all this stuff. The other thing is we literally have people in prison for selling marijuana. And now it's legal. Now everybody's. Why couldn't it come along later? I could have came along later, right? That's what I'm saying. (laughs) Like, I mean, because now it's legal, and suddenly everybody's selling it for profit, and it's all cool. But there's people in prison for the exact same sales. That whole thing just mind-boggling to me. But you were talking about how the church can do it. Um, In my opinion, um, the resource element of if there's ever a way we can say you're getting out and the first thing you feel is fear. Yeah. That there's a person to look you in the eye and say, I think we can figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. I think if there's anything that we can do that's powerful there, that would be the that would be the the sheer presence yeah. and go, I actually do have a little packet. Yeah. And the packet has a <laughs> yeah. bunch of resources. Yeah. I'm not saying you have to come hang out at church and now you gotta follow Christians around. What I'm saying is I'm here to bless you. That's right. As you start your new life, I just want you to know that I, on behalf of Jesus, want to bless you. Yeah. Yeah. Here is a little bit to get started with. If we even just had a packet yeah. that said, here is some money. Here is some resources. Mm-hmm. Here is some ideas, and we have an open door. Yeah, yeah. If you need us, we're here. Yeah. I, I feel like that's a family element yeah, that we right. can bring in. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. No, that's up. And and the church is uniquely positioned, I think, to to provide that. Not only in terms of physical resources, but kind of relational resources. Right. That's right. As well. So as uh, we're pretty much out of time here, as we start to wrap up, I would just love to hear. I mean, you guys, once again, you're on the front lines. Could you maybe each share one quick kind of God story, whether it's from recently or in the past, of just ways that you've seen God work through your personal engagement with prison ministry? Yeah. I already mentioned one story, right, yeah, about the individual. Awesome. And, and there is, there's yeah. countless stories over the last sure. 12 years of guys that we've worked with, Dan and I both. Um, but one just recently was a guy who got out, you know, 290 registrant, and uh, a lot of difficulty in reestablishing himself back into society because, believe it or not, there isn't a lot of places that'll take a guy like that. There's no shelters, there's nothing, no. right? So you're cut um, off of everything from everything. So I actually reached out to Dan on this one, and I'm like, you know, where do we send these guys? I couldn't get him into any shelter in town. I tried, right? Yeah. Um, and we ended up partnering with Union Gospel Mission and getting him into a program there that did accept. 290 registrants. Mm-hmm. And fast forward, right? It's been about a year now, I think, since so I started working with this guy. I just met for dinner once a week and invested in him and just kept pointing to the resources like we've talked about, yep. you know, about mm-hmm. this is where you can go if you need that. Oh, you need shelter. Here's where you can go. Yeah. That one took a while to figure out. Yeah. But also pointed him towards resources for employment. There's uh, the Sacramento uh, street team down in Sacramento that 
takes in anybody and everybody if you're willing to work and they give you uh, gift cards, you know, yeah, wow. uh, for a day's work and you can go out and buy food at Safeway and different things. Oh, so, wow. so just spending time with that guy for about a year, didn't take that long. It took about three or four months to really get him established, but being willing to resource him, like we've been talking about, right? Get him to the right places. It yeah. only, it didn't take me a ton of time because mm-hmm. I had the resource packet, like Matt's yes. mentioned, available to me. I just had to figure out to the right place to point him. Fast yeah. forward to today, the guy is uh, living in his own apartment now. Mm-hmm. He's supporting himself. He's going back to uh, community college, getting retrained in a job program so he mm-hmm. could do something that would be useful yeah, and man. meaningful. Yeah. Um, and he's doing great things. He's awesome. he's still struggling every yeah. single day, yeah. you know, because he's 290 registrant, yep. but he is moving forward. Yeah. Not an easy life, no. nope. but he is moving forward. I mean, he is, is contributing to incredible. society. Yeah. He's doing the right things and he's making an effort. And it was, it didn't take a whole lot of time or effort on my part. <clears throat> so. Yeah. That's awesome. Amen. Yeah. Awesome. Praise God. Dan, how Praise about you? God. Well, I had something recent happen to me uh, as I, well, I don't think I mentioned, but one of the other big things that we do in uh, prison care is we do, we have pen pals, we write letters yeah. and those have a profound yeah. impact because those are shared all throughout. And so, uh, as I mentioned, as we began the podcast, that I came to uh, this ministry through my work as a child welfare social worker. And one of those young men had uh, many years ago committed a crime and uh, while, and he was in juvenile hall. And after he left juvenile hall, he was transferred to the Sacramento County Jail. And uh, I, I felt God put on my heart just to continue to visit him. So I would I would go and visit him. And I thought, you know, as I talked to him, he wasn't a believer, but I, I, I felt like God was saying to me, this is representative of so many that are nameless, that nobody mm. knows this kid. This kid was in foster care. This kid is going to go to prison. This kid has a life sentence. Yeah. And so how can I help him, God? What can I do? And so what I did, this is, uh, uh, this is about six and a half years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, the last time I saw him, and I know that we don't have a camera, I guess I wanted to say document cam shot, but I guess we have that. <laughs> right. We have to step it up. It sounds cool though. Yes, it does. So six and a half years ago, actually 2,345 days ago, the last mm-hmm. time I saw him, I was visiting him at the Sacramento County Jail and he had been sentenced and he was going to the state prison. And mm-hmm. I didn't think I would, I, I, I assumed I would never see him again. Mm-hmm. And so I said, after that, I went out and I got, I sat in my truck. And I said, God, I will never forget him. I will never forget him because you never forget me. Mm. You never forget anybody. You, your arm reaches anywhere. You will go anywhere. And so I said, God, I'm going to remember him. I'm going to pray for him every day. Hmm. Every day. Wow. And so, uh, and that was six and a half years ago. So I, wow. you cannot see it, or maybe we can, but this is a, a screenshot of, of my phone. And on my phone, I have one reminder and it's him. Every day, mm-hmm. I, I want to wake up. And this is six and a half years ago and say, God, yeah. I'm praying for him. I'm praying for all of them that are lost wow. because I know you love them. Wow. So every day, as a matter of fact, for 2,345 days, that's right. There that's it is. six wow. and that's almost incredible. six and a half years. Every day I had him, I prayed for him. Well, not uh, recently uh, in our prison ministry, uh, I, I got a letter and I looked at the letter. I'm holding it up for those, I guess we don't see that, but just for you guys. This is a prison letter uh, that was received, and it's it's, it's addressed to me. It says, Bridgeway Christian Church, uh, attention, Dan Gamel. And I looked up at the name, 
and I saw this name. It's this guy. Wow. From six and a half years ago. Now I, I never I, I never heard from him. He didn't know where I was. He didn't even know at that time I didn't even go into prison ministry. But he sends me a letter and I thought, how can this be, God? And I meet I look at my phone and I'm like, Yeah, that's him. And so let me show you what one thing will do. And I'm gonna read yeah. the letter. Actually, I'm gonna let Pastor Lance, his radio voice is <laughs> oh, all right. the This is the letter. And that, when did you get this letter, Dan? And this is a couple months ago okay, here so to our church. Really recently. So after six and a half years, I pray for him every day. I remember him every day. I get this letter. I don't know him that he knows, you know, he doesn't know the situation. This is the letter I received from him. All right, here, here we it go. Is. Dear Dan, it has been a long time since we last spoke. I hope you still remember me. I really just want to thank you for the support you showed me when I was in county jail. I had no one then, and you came out of nowhere to put money on my books, and you visited me. I don't think I ever really thanked you properly, so thank you. You were a godsend at that point in my life, and I will never forget that. You are probably wondering how I found your church, right? One of my friends here named Shane, his wife goes there, and he says he knows you really well. We were talking, and your name came up, and I don't want to take up any more of your time, Dan. I really just wanted to say thank you. So thank you. I hope you have a wonderful life, your friend. Wow. That's being obedient to the Holy Spirit right there. Wow. Right? Here's Come on. He wrote the letter. So this That's is a cool. couple amazing. things. One, when you go into jail, this individual was a discipleship leader in our D tank. He was our we had a discipleship team, upper tier and lower tier. This young man, this man Shane, was in our tank at, at Placer County Jail and he was transferred to prison. Mm-hmm. And so uh, in his time in prison, he is reaching out. Yeah. He is sharing with people and he's on the yard there at Jamestown. And he just happens to be talking. I guess my name comes up in that kind of company. <laughs> I, guess, I don't know what that says about me. Right. I, I'm in good company there on the prison yard. But yes. so my name came up on the prison yard and this this young man from all those years ago said, wait, I remember that guy. And so uh, he writes me this letter. And I want to tell you, it's this letter. It's the yeah. things like yeah. this that says, whatever you do, the one thing you do, you might not know. And maybe yeah. 2,345 days later, yeah. but if you're faithful, God is even more Amen. faithful. And so I, I can tell you that I found out and inquiring a little bit more that this, this, this young man, now in his 20s, he's serving a life sentence. And he is a believer. I asked Shane, well, what, what, what happened? Was he going to church and he was inviting him? And he said, well, not at first. But then he said, I went to church and he was there. I went to church and he's there all the time. Wow. So I just want to say that if it's been 2,345 days, if yeah. it's been 10 years or 20 years, God is faithful. That whatever you do, whatever you do for the least of these, God is going to honor. And God right. will find a way to show you. So here I show you wow. today Amen. that God is faithful, yeah. that whatever you do, he is faithful and he is good and he will redeem. I mean, he's just wonderful. So this ministry is a ministry of redemption. It's a ministry of hope. It's a ministry that says, God, you never forget me. Yeah. And so I just bring that to your attention wow. That's awesome. Uh, so that we all know. And so for those of you that are listening, for those of you that have a family member that's incarcerated, for those of you that are struggling as you listen to this podcast, for the pain that this podcast brings up, you're thinking about your mother or your father or your children in jail. I want you to know that God is faithful. Yeah, I want yeah. you to know that he is there with you. Wow. Yep. And he will never leave you. And he loves you. Amen. Wow. Amen, amen, incredible amen. Story. Yeah, unbelievable. It gave me goosebumps listening to that. Just yeah, incredible. Cool. Amazing. Last thing, and Dan, you kind of, you, you teed this up perfectly. For those who either 
are saying, man, I want to get in the game. I want to get involved in serving or those that say, hey, I've got a family member or a loved one in the system and would love some support. How Mm. do they get in touch with you guys? How do they get in touch with Bridgeway, Bridgeway Prison Care? Well, they can get in touch with us here uh, at Bridgeway. We have our prison care. They can reach out to me directly. I'm Dan Gamel at, and you can reach out to me by email at prisoncare at bridgewaychurch.org. Oh, hang on. Prisoncare uh, at bridgeway.church. Oh, yeah. Okay. Prisoncare at bridgeway.church. If you're sending an email, I want to make sure it gets to the right place. That's <laughs> yeah, prisoncare okay. at bridgeway.church church. All right. Thank you, Pastor Brian. And they can also get more information from our Facebook page, our Prison Care Facebook page, where we have information. And they can also come uh, on the second Sunday of the month, which is here. It's coming up. We have our family support meeting here at church for the family members. And so we meet right upstairs uh, in in room two on Sundays, on the second Sunday of month at one o'clock. If you have a family member, a loved one that's incarcerated, if you're looking for support, you could show up there. You could reach out to me. And like, you could just come to the church and talk to anyone say hey i want to talk to dan and uh, our chaplain lane and we will come and we will be there for you yeah awesome so that second sunday meeting it's open to anybody yes just show up Mm -hmm. if that would be a blessing to you one o'clock upstairs classroom two yes here at bridgeway all right wow well gentlemen Thank you so much for coming in today, being a part of this. Thank you, more importantly, for the work that you do and just the way that you're impacting lives. Um, Really, really appreciate the work you do and you guys sharing with us. Uh, Thank you, Lance, of course, for being part of the show. As always, want to say thanks to Lucian, Montana, Brenton, all you guys for making us look good and sound good, or at least uh, look and sound as good as we can. We appreciate (laughs) you guys very much. Thanks to all of you for listening. We'll be back in two weeks for another episode of the Engaging Culture Podcast. We'll see you then. Thank you for listening to Engaging Culture, a podcast by Bridgeway Christian Church. If you enjoyed the show, please consider subscribing and leaving a review on iTunes. Thank you so much for listening. Music is used under the Creative Commons license and is provided by Dexter Britton.